Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches, as well as the dean and founder of Directions University. We have got another fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-founder in Divizio and co-host of Traffic Masters, Jack Humphrey, joining us today. Hello, Jack. Hello. We finally got snow in Indiana. Did you really? How much? I just came just came in from playing with the kid. <laughs> oh, like four inches. <laughs> Nothing oh, much. Oh, that's a bunch. But, yeah, kind of neat. So I'm ready for Is spring. Is it cold? Yeah, it's pretty darn cold. <laughs> well, it finally warmed up to almost 70 today, so come down for a visit down to sunny southwest Florida. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't I like know. it when people brag about their weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, Miss and don't Jen. you be laughing too hard, Missy. You're in Georgia, and it's probably warm there, too. Well, it's it's really cold, but it'll be warm next week. <laughs> That's yeah, or tomorrow. You never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm okay with so that. So, Jeff, why don't you do the honors of introducing our fantastic guest for today? Do you mean Justin Popovic? Yes, I believe I, I pronounced his name properly. Okay, I'll introduce him. Uh, Justin is here with us today. He's the founder of Tools for Motivation, a digital content licensing company. Justin and his team create white-label products and courses in the personal development niche geared toward helping coaches, consultants, and experts save time and money on their content creation efforts. You can find out more at toolsformotivation.com and also uh, on today's show. Justin, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Can you guys hear me? Yes. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, Gina. Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for being here. I'll start us off with our favorite question to get going. What gets you out of bed these days? We read your uh, introduction. So, uh, But what what is it about your business or life or whatever? What got you out of bed ready to go uh, this morning? Oh, well, that's a, I love that question, actually. Uh, every day, there's there's a few things that get me out of bed. Uh, I, I basically, my life revolves around three basic things, and that's running my business, uh, keeping as fit as I possibly can, and then spending as much time as I possibly can with my kids. Uh, all three of those things get me out of bed very, very early every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably right. the cute thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I That's what I guess. The kid thing is what got him... Uh, but that helps you because you got to have something like that to get you out of bed because sometimes the fitness thing isn't always powerful enough to get you out of That's bed right. at all sometimes. <laughs> yeah, all, I mean, so, uh, all, all three of them, I draw inspiration from all three. I'm very passionate about all three. Uh, but uh, as a lot of entrepreneurs can probably relate to it, the reason I went into business for myself was so that I could spend time with the kids and, and spend more time than the average parent may, at least in my circle of influence. I get a I get a chance to see my kids 
all the time. I take them to school every day. I pick them up from school. Uh, things I couldn't have done back, you know, seven, eight years ago when I was in the corporate world. I was going to ask you how long have you been free? So it's been about seven or eight years? Yeah, it was uh, start of 2008 is where uh, when I officially walked away. Um, I wouldn't say my business was successful at that point, but it's when I was free. Uh, and it took a little while to get things going in my own business, but uh, we're good to go now. <laughs> You know, in the beginning of all of this, I, I got free in around 2002. I started in 1998 and and uh, started selling my first product in 2002. And um, like you, I wasn't exactly free, but I was damn determined not to go back to working for people anymore. Mm-hmm. And all the time back then, in fact, the conversation, maybe, maybe I'm not in the right circles anymore. Uh, I do tend to hang out with... Um, people who have been independent and uh, on their own for quite some time, more now than I ever have. Maybe there's some newbie conversations out there, but back then, all we talked about was that freedom. That's all we could, we, we just couldn't stand it. It was so awesome that there was, a, there was a possibility that we could choose to do something that wasn't working for other people, that we could be independent, and it was viable. It was becoming more and more viable every day for more average people who weren't super mega go-getters. and I mean, you have to be something to be an entrepreneur, a little bit more than somebody who's working in a cubicle and, and, and you know, depending on uh, that check coming every week and the benefits and everything else without having to find out where the money's going to come from. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to do that. You have to chase that down. And uh, But once you got away from people who were like that to – uh, this new group of people that kept coming online, all we could talk about was that freedom. Do you ever, do you ever find yourself like reflecting on just how awesome? I mean, there's a lot of problems that come with being an entrepreneur, being your own boss. There's a lot of responsibility. We tend to start to forget that as the years go on, and we're more and more independent. But something will remind us. Do you ever get reminded about how lucky you are to be able to do what you can with your family and? You know, and just kind of reflect on that and go, man. Sometimes I get a little spoiled with this. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I, I personally get constant reminders, uh, just because the uh, you know the people in my family, extended family, even the circle of friends, talking about my immediate world here, in and around my home, and so on. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, most of those people have not made that transition, nor do they really even think that way. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like you, where I do also have this entire different group of people, mostly uh, friends that I hang out with online, that that are more like me. So it's almost like a, it's, it's it's like living two different worlds, one through a computer screen with people like you know all of us here on the call that kind of get it, uh, and then you know everyone else that uh, they, they may admire what I do, they may kind of wish they could do it, but they're not really ever going to make that change. Whether maybe they will one day, but they don't have the same kind of mindset. They don't maybe have the same value system, let's say that way. Me personally, I value my freedom, a lot like you, Jack, uh, more than I value my security. So I was willing to give up some of that security of the paycheck and the benefit to kind of roll the dice on myself because it hurt too much to give away my freedom. And I think a lot of the people are the opposite. They have those two values reversed. And so they're okay with uh, remaining where they are, which is fine. I'm not saying one way is better than the other. But for me personally, it has to be this way. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, you're obviously in a business that um, helps people. Um, you know, private label content for personal development experts. And it, it looks like you could say, in one sense, you're helping people who are uh, 
striking out on their own. They need content. They need um, the ability to uh, produce a lot. Maybe they're still working and they don't have the time to produce a lot of content on their own. You know the kind of content that you need as supplemental or extra or 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 whatever, but how, tell us a little bit more about Tools for Motivation and how people use it, what kind of people use it, what does it do? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So um, our customers and clients are really – it's a range of people. Uh, what we do is we see a lot of people who are experts in their own right. They may be consultants. They may be coaches uh, or speakers or trainers, what have you. They may fall into multiple buckets, and they're really good at what they do, You know, whether it's you know, at, at the top of my head, I can think of one customer who is a, a therapist, really good at helping people in, in her line of work or particular form of therapy. She doesn't necessarily have all the time in the world to create, let's say, digital products, which are an extension of her knowledge and expertise. All, all of her time is spent in those one-on-one -on -one sessions making sure to you know, help her clients get better, feel better, and so on. Uh, but there, she has so much more to offer beyond those one-on-one -on -one sessions and extracting all of the knowledge from her head uh, to be able to distribute it to her clients in the form of, let's say, e-books or video courses or audio, uh, even like interviews like this like we're doing right now, uh, is, can be very time-consuming for one if you're not accustomed to creating content on a regular basis and publishing it to a blog or to YouTube or whatever. Um, and, and, and at the same time, they don't necessarily want to spend the time doing that. So... Our content, people can join our membership or even just buy one-off products from us where we will uh, essentially create a lot of the baseline content that they can use. And then with just a little bit of time mixing in their own, their own expertise, they can have a product that they can sell on their website or put into a membership site or even in some cases have some blog-based content that they can distribute for free uh, where the majority of it may have been written by our, our team and our experts and they simply added their own flair to it, or they added a little bit of their branding. Uh, the, the content itself stands on its own because it's a lot of the time it's you know it's personal development stuff. It's tips on how to stay confident or develop your self-esteem or leadership skills and whatever. Uh, a lot of the principles are universal. And the twist is how that expert then shares their stories and their personal opinions about that topic. It's a lot easier. Going back to the example of my client. For her to uh, pump out a piece of content, if there's already a you know a 6,000 word document written for her, and all she has to do is maybe write an intro and a few examples and have something to sell, or like I said earlier, publish freely on the blog. So what are the what's the range of content that you guys do? What do you what uh, range do you cover? Is it um, I mean, what does personal development mean in in your sense, for, uh, your definition at Tools for Motivation? It's it's actually pretty it's a pretty broad uh, variety of topics. Uh, I would consider it really anything that helps the end user. Let's talk about the consumer of this information now. Uh, anybody that or any type of content that helps that person develop a stronger mindset, uh, a, a stronger will, um, a higher level of persistence. Think of any of the sort of soft skills that that uh, you require in life. Uh, to stick to your goals and actually see them through to completion. That could be you know, personal goals. We talked earlier about fitness. We talked about uh, business and entrepreneurship, developing relationships. Uh, there's all these various pillars of life and what some people may deem successful or unsuccessful areas of their life, uh, helping that end consumer think in new ways or develop uh, habits that will help them stick to those goals so they can actually reach it. So, if you go to toolsformotivation.com and, and look at our storefront, you'll actually see uh, there's a huge variety of um, categories there 
that we cover. And I mentioned a few of the examples earlier, earlier like leadership and self-confidence. But we've done topics on like self-help life hacks, um, dealing with grief, um, how to uh, the spirit of excellence, uh, uh, resolution, revolution. We had a product, you know, just New Year's, New Year's Eve was around the corner, right? Yep. So we had a, a New Year's Got resolution a New product. New Year's Eve thing. Yep. That's right, yeah. It's almost obligatory, <laughs> right? You gotta, everybody's got to have their blog post. Everybody's got to do their yearly thing. and That's right. <laughs> you know, try to do something that doesn't make them want to puke in their mouths a little bit because it's just so yeah, cliche if you don't take the time to do it right. That's right, and then usually it's now. What's today? January 12th. It's right around now that a lot of those New Year's resolutions start being forgotten about. It's It's amazing how quickly it happens. And if you're the type of person, if you take two people, one person who, let's say, reads or consumes, listens to, watches, what have you, um, some form of personal development content, be it a reminder of uh, how to think positive or how to develop mental toughness or exercises they can do to have strong self-confidence, if they consume a piece of content like that for even 20 minutes a day versus a person who just goes about their day totally unconscious uh, in, you know, in zombie mode, not even thinking about their overall goals and plans for their life, which person is more likely to stick to those resolutions and actually achieve some of those goals they've set at the start of the year? You know it's going to be the person that's constantly thinking about, reminding themselves, staying empowered, staying motivated, and so on. And, and you know, we're all entrepreneurs here. Most entrepreneurs don't have that problem. But sometimes we all need a reminder. We can, you know, we can lose a deal or have some, you know, server crash and we, we, we lose our, we kind of fall into a bad attitude. These kind of things can help pick ourselves back up by our bootstraps. Very good. I, I want to move on to the publisher side of this. Many of our listeners are publishers. They have websites. They have blogs. They have uh, their social networks and everything set up all to attract attention to whatever it is that they do as a service or a product. Um, and they're very keen on you know figuring out where they are in conjunction with everybody else. And in this industry, um, I, could you give us a little bit of an idea of what this is like? What are your customers like? How many people are using um, private label content uh, from your perspective? You guys have a really uh, – you have the catbird seat as far as, like, what different industries are using this, what they're using it for, how they're doing it. Is it still really a big thing? Because, like, PLR, as it almost is used as a derogatory term in sub-circles now, was, <laughs> was made that way because they people started using content to try to get into search, and then search started penalizing them. And, of course, nobody's using PLR that way anymore. But, you know, g give us a little insight as to how this industry is going, how, how much uh, customers love uh, using this content, how they're using it creatively, and what kinds of industries are they doing it in. Yeah, great question. And I totally agree with you that the whole comment about PLR being, <laughs> in some circles, a derogatory term because in the past that's exactly what would happen was people would, you know, the same 500 people would all buy a group of articles and they would post those same articles verbatim to a blog. And, of course, <laughs> there's not much value if 500 blogs are posting the same article. Uh, right. Now, there is, there is still some of that happening. You can still see uh, publishers in really any industry. They may take a PLR article and use it as a source of inspiration or even use, let's say, like up to 75% of that article as the basis of a blog post. But like I said earlier, uh, in almost all cases, the training we provide our customers, we always recommend, hey, what, you know, what's your unique spin on this? How are you going to add your personal brand to this? Uh, what are you going to do to make this article unique so that it stands out? It not only just ranks in the search engines, but actually delivers value to the reader. Um, earlier I mentioned a, kind of a higher 
higher level overview of the type of people we see in our business. Um, we, we mentioned industries or, or different types of experts. We see people that, uh-huh. um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, in the therapist, coaching, consulting realm, um, somebody has a client base. Like a good example would be when I used to work in the corporate world, uh, quite often, at least quarterly, we would get sent on various corporate trainings. So I was in the, I was a part of the sales force, the company I worked at, and I remember distinctly going to different courses. Uh, in, in one case, it was how to do better sales presentations. There's another one on actually how to engage with clients and close deals. And we'd have these people come in, and they were experts uh, at maybe teaching the sales process or teaching presentation skills. And these are the kind of people that we actually see buying TLR now. They're they're going out to deal with, uh, whether it's a corporate client or even just smaller businesses, teaching or or transitioning them into skill sets that they may not have yet. So let's say teaching a a relatively new employee in a a small, medium-sized company how to sell more effectively. They have a sales course or some kind of series of sales training, uh, a lot of these companies will actually use PLR courses like ours where there may be an entire ebook or series of ebooks covering a variety of topics. I mentioned earlier we cover topics like leadership skills, uh, speaking skills, self-confidence, self-esteem, and so on. Uh, Our PLR, in some cases, will be used as the baseline for their chapter titles or their modules uh, in their trainings. Now, they may have... Uh, particular training they've already created from scratch, but they want they want to maybe uh, be able to send those students through some additional training after the fact, or have some supplemental material for them to read in between the daily lessons. PLR comes in really really handy there. I've also seen people who do uh, college the college circuit, college speaking, or creating college courses, um, maybe some kind of specialized course in the local community college. We've seen marketing experts go out uh, and, and create. Uh, training for local businesses, right? Small town of 50,000 people. There's going to be, you know, business owners of all different categories. They need some help with their online marketing because right now all they do is maybe have a Facebook page, but they're not doing email marketing yet. They're not doing all these additional uh, digital marketing practices that they should be doing if they want to get more people into their bakery and so on. These people that are creating these local college courses are also creating their uh, content using PLR. So I've seen some really, really cool examples um, where it gets rolled into not just public you know, blog content, but into actual usable training material, uh, repurposed into video courses. Um, membership sites are huge. If you're, it, let's say you're a, a paid speaker. You, you, know, you get paid, paid to do some speaking gigs. Maybe you sell some stuff at the back of the room. You want to offer continuity. People want to stay in, involved in your inner circle and join your mastermind group. Uh, having a membership site for them to stay in and, and go and be able to download stuff on a regular basis is a great way to have a higher retention level. So we're seeing people take PLR, joining our membership, they get PLR to delivered to them frequently on a monthly basis. They can ha- quickly turn these products into their own custom downloads for their members. So those are just a few examples. I mean, if you go into a lot of different avenues here. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you have some background noise on your end? I've asked everybody else to mute, and they're like, we're muted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is there any background uh, I, noise on your uh, I Everything's coming through clear here. I just turned down my uh, my speakers. Hopefully that maybe helps a little. And, Jack, uh, I don't really okay. hear any other background noise. It's so strange. Maybe it's my line or something. Playing on your uh, window that you're not looking at, maybe. So Gina hears me clearly. 
I hear yeah. you loud and clear. I don't hear any background noise at all. Well, if, if well, it's just me, that's great. I just didn't want our listeners to get distracted, so that's perfect. You guys aren't hearing well, it, then we're good to go. Chatting, I have been over going through tools for motivation as well as bestqualityplr.com, and i got to tell you, Justin, I am impressed. <laughs> Thanks. Well, Thank you. I, one I love of the, the, comments the, uh, the live plug. I really appreciate that. Checks in the mail. Well, one of the comments I noticed <laughs> was you guys say that your your clients don't think of this as PLR. You think of it as licensing content. And Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, Jack and I often talk about the importance of repurposing content. My clients and especially my students call me leveragina because I am so into leverage. One of the things I want to make sure we touch on today is that topic. How can both PLR licensing content and content overall get you more leverage? Yeah. Well, let's cover it now. Go for it. What do you think? Oh, I, I, first of all, I love the uh, leveragina. That's awesome. (laughs) Did I say it right? Mhm. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm a huge, huge proponent of content repurposing, uh, mainly because no two people are alike. Like some people cannot cannot stand listening to audio, whereas other people that's all they want to do. I personally, I love I love listening. I love listening to to shows like yours and other podcasts, and even in some t- cases I'll go to YouTube. Not necessarily watch the video, but listen for the you know inspirational or the or the business lessons going on in the background while I work. Whereas I've met other people that cannot do it. It maybe they just can't. They're not they're not patient enough to listen to that audio. They want a bullet point summary of what this one hour of our interview was about, and they want to read it in six minutes. And that's what works for them. They get motivated by that. They learn from it, and that's cool. The 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 neat thing is, is as a publisher, you have the ability to cater to all these different styles. And when you do that. You take one effort or one unit of work, and now you give yourself five, six, seven areas of opportunity to market yourself. If it's someone like me that's in your audience, then you're probably going to market to me more than once because I, I happen to like all forms of content. I like video. I like reading books. I like going to Kindle and learning some things. I, I like listening to stuff. So if you happen to have taken the effort and the time or developed the skill to repurpose yourself in all these different formats, you're going to start showing up in my news feeds and in my recommended reading more and more often because you're in all of these different places. Where I think some people fall down is they fall into, you know, I'm a writer and I just like to write. I, I don't do video. I don't get on camera. I, I don't like the sound of my voice, so I won't do audio. And so they completely shut down the, the possibility of repurposing their content. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, for, for one, you don't have to be awesome at those things. And two, it doesn't have to take all that long to do. Uh, as an example, with our PLR content, we, we release a few different styles of PLR, <laughs> license content, if you want to call it. Uh, one of them is called a content bundle, where all of the, um, all the, the, the content in that package is web publishable, meaning you don't have to sell it. You can actually publish it on your blog or for free. It's designed as branding content to get people to get their eyeballs on you and your business. Well, we take... Uh, a single unit of articles that we order from a um, from one of our writers or one of our uh, researchers, and we have it repurposed into reports. 
then we have an audio specialist who records them into high-quality audio, and then we have a designer that takes quotes based on those articles, you know, inspirational quotes or tips related to that, those articles, and designs these really cool graphical memes that you can share on Facebook or Pinterest or other social platforms. They're all based on just 10 articles, 10 really, you know, short-to-the-point articles on whatever the topic may be, and with just a, a little bit of systemization that we've built into our business, we have four different avenues to promote this, and we haven't even talked about video or other formats yet. So content repurposing is, is amazing. Um, you can do it very, very quickly if you learn a few basic skills. But for me personally, any time I produce a piece of content, I, I like to do a lot of video training. As soon as I'm done, it goes right to our transcriptionist. I'm turning that video into a transcribe that I can publish as a PDF later on. I might even export the MP3, which takes all of five minutes. So now... Uh, with one email and one little app on my desktop, my video tutorial is now three pieces of content, a video, a PDF, and an MP3. It may become more later on, but now I've got three different avenues to promote. I wouldn't have got in front of you. If you're, if you're the only, if all you ever do is read PDFs and you don't watch video or audio, I'm never going to get in front of you unless I do that content on purpose. Okay, so now I heard background noise, but that's the first time I heard it. So what you've essentially done Okay, maybe I'm too close to the mic. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what you've essentially done with Tools for Motivation is taken the editorial calendar template that Jack and I use in our teaching, which all of you will find at joindu.com forward slash editorial calendar. That's joindu.com forward slash editorial calendar. And you've created a done-for-you version that you just have to post up and you're done. That is awesome, yeah. Justin. Yeah, I, One I like of the things that I... Hopefully, now I'm just going to do a sound check here. I, I've um, adjusted my mic a little bit. Does it sound okay or am I still producing some background Way noise? Way better. Way better, yeah. In, in your job? Okay, so maybe it was just my, my levels were too high there. One of the things that I got really spoiled with early on with the with blogging was the relative lack or less noise that there is today. We didn't have mm. algorithms and social crunching all the stuff. We didn't have people scrolling as fast as they do through as many headlines as they do on a daily basis. And one of the things that kind of got me burnt out on blogging was that nobody was – I couldn't get anybody to appreciate in the in the right numbers and spend enough time on the content that I spent so much time on, and it would just got me down. I was like, man, this sucks. People used to read whole articles on the web, and people used to, uh, you know, sit and watch a video that was longer than five minutes. And, you know, in the time that it takes for everybody to put that kind of content together, it's kind of depressing if you don't understand how to get past that first round, and the first round you described really well, the first round is to put the content out there in multiple formats, multiple channels, and then you've got um, you know, a really good distribution for that first three seconds that the Internet is chewing on it, and then the fourth second, it's gone. It's just yeah. gone. If it was ever there in the first place because Facebook can algorithmically just not ever show your stuff or don't, they don't show your stuff to p individuals who have had a proclivity to click on different kinds of content over time. Now Facebook doesn't think they're interested in you anymore. So you've lost them for the whole time. You've got to get those people back. And other people are just not looking at the moment that it scrolls by. So 
I like what you said about the first round stuff. Can you talk to people about strategies that you use and recommend to your clients to keep content coming up over and over so it doesn't feel like we as publishers are wasting our time producing something that's only getting seen by a tiny fraction of our audience the first time it goes around? Absolutely. And you know what? I, I totally agree with you. I, I've had very similar frustrations where I was pumping out, I think it was about two years ago now, I did a 100-day challenge, a, a one sort of motivational, inspirational blog post a day for 100 days. That was a ton of work and a lot of effort only to have it read by you know a, a handful of people, primarily because it wasn't great at driving traffic to the blog, but also I think it's more a case of what you said. It's just it's one headline on a sea of distractions, and I wasn't the most popular distraction a lot of days. So uh, to give you my honest answer, the, the one thing that seems to work for me time and time again, despite all the other methods that I've tried and may go up and down, is I have a captive audience anytime I send an email to my customers. Um, you know, I could put, put out a blog post and publish things to Facebook, and it's, it's hit or miss. But when I send an email to my customers, people that I've delivered value to, they've paid money, uh, they've, got, they've had a great experience and they've been taken care of really well by our customer support system and our team, uh, those emails get tons of opens, tons of clicks, and huge amounts of engagement. So um, for me, I always tell people, you know, make sure that you're selling something, whether it's your service or your product, your business, uh, that's what you need to be doing anyways, and it's your customers that are going to pay the most attention to you because they've already voted giving you a huge vote of confidence by sending dollars your way. I don't care if you're selling a product for $15. They still had enough confidence to send you that money, and they may be willing to send you more. Uh, you have to stay in touch with them. And I see a lot of our customers, they may have products for sale. They may um, have a course for sale. They even take some of our PLR and turn it into a, a course that they sell, uh, and they do it once, and that's it. It's like this is the, that's the door opener. This is your chance to build a long-term relationship with somebody who trusts you. So for me, I always go back to my customer base. I know that I can create a piece of training content that's entirely free, or I can create an offer that is you know, paid and asking them to buy something. And actually, in the cases where I'm selling something, I usually get even more engagement. But both cases, I always get a huge amount of response. And I think it's because of that level of trust. Uh, and it also, I think, has something to do with our sales process in that we're not we're not super transactional. When somebody buys something from us, we try to establish a personal relationship with each and every one of our clients, customers. Uh, we send personal emails. We put our phone numbers on our receipts uh, and our welcome emails. We, uh, you know, we encourage Skype contact, Facebook, call me on my cell. And I think that goes a really long way. You only have to do that a couple of hundred times before you have an audience big enough to give you huge response anytime you create a piece of content that you want feedback on or that you just want to share something. And that audience could be used then to help you reach other people because it's kind of a chicken-egg scenario that you've presented here. You go back to your customers. Well, how the heck did you get the customers in the first place? Or if you don't have enough customers right now for this to really kick in and you, 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 you give them a little bonus of something that's free, but they have to share it on Facebook to unlock it. You know, so there you're getting out to all of the people that they have influence over to come and see your stuff. You're you're reaching out into a broader part of the market that way. Great promotional tactic. But what if you don't have enough people that that makes and and you're like, well, I'm I'm at a plateau. I have customers, but it's not a big enough list. How do you bring in new blood, new customers 
outside of the list thing and getting the list to help evangelize you know you your product and your service are there other tactics that you use for that yeah absolutely i think there's there's a lot i'm sure most people are familiar with the various you know traffic techniques the thing that's worked the most for us and i mean uh, when we started our PLR business in 2010, uh, we we didn't know a thing. We we, ba- we barely knew how to create a product and create a buy button. So we, we were kind of blind and in the dark uh, until we yeah. figured out our main source of traffic, which was affiliate marketing. I started getting out to events. I started attending uh, both live and digital events, putting my name out there and networking with people, asking a lot of questions. Uh, and before I knew it, I had contacts uh, of people that already had established lists, and I was able to f- effectively get people to promote as affiliates our offers. We were able to create uh, you know PLR products that were unique enough to kind of stand out and deem worthy enough to be promoted by these people that already had an established business. And for us, for the first two or three years of building our business, our primary source of custom of finding new customers was through affiliates. And I recommend anybody selling digital products that if you're not doing that, you're you're missing out on a huge source of traffic. Obviously, it doesn't happen overnight. You need to go meet people who are affiliates. There's a ton of strategies you can use um, to to network with affiliates. But for us, that was uh, that was and still is a, a huge part of our strategy. Uh, and it, I, I'll continue to use it until it stops working. To be honest with you, would you say, in light of what we talked about, then that there's a possibility that content marketing has graduated to a different level than it used to. I mean, none of us are trying to replicate about.com in our niches. Everybody knows that crappy content doesn't do anything. Uh, and we already covered duplicate content. That doesn't get you into search engines and bring you any more traffic. And since people are really, we're, we're, we're all having to listen very carefully for the signals that we want to hear. So like, if I'm on your newsletter, I want to make sure uh, to find it and uh, in, in my Gmail and get it out of the promotion tab or whatever it might have been and make sure that I'm getting it all the time. You know, I'm yep. one of your evangelists, so that I, I would go to those links to have that happen. And we're all having to do that. It's like, wow, it's just too much. It's like drinking from a fire hose, and, and I've got to have some way to manage this. So to get into somebody's trusted area and then – and then think about content marketing a little bit differently, that the only people that are going to really pay attention to you when you write an article are the people who love you. And that's just the way it is. People used to have enough time, because there wasn't as much to do on the web, to just go and read a new article from somebody they'd never heard of. Now, people just will not do that. They're like, man, I've already got too much to read from my favorites, my bookmarks, my RSS feeds or whatever they're using, and I'm not going to cheat on those people and not read their stuff and, and read this guy's thing over here. I mean, I feel like a lot of people feel like that. I certainly do when I'm, you know, surfing around. And, I, you know, I watch how I act uh, or interact with my people that I follow very closely. And i got to think that other people are doing that. So maybe content marketing is in a – and this is my question. Do you think that it, it's really gone to a different level where when you're doing content marketing, you're really doing it toward the people who are listening? And maybe it changes the way you do what the, the the kinds of articles that you write because those are the ones who are going to if they like it they have to read it and then and if they like it they're going to share it around and that's where it would expand does that make sense oh yeah it makes a ton of sense and i think it's a brilliant point I'm really glad you made it great uh, great summary of that as well uh what we did this is uh, going back to 
two years ago now, we um, asked our customers, I was presenting at an event, and I, and I was looking for some direction on what to cover. So I asked my customers to send in their most common questions about PLR, licensed content, or whatever, and we got maybe 50 or 60 questions. And uh, I, I actually, and even there, I should kind of do a little bit of a side note here, even getting you know, a giant list of customers to send their questions in and answer a survey was hard. I had to actually bribe oh, yeah. them a little by providing them or promising them a copy of my presentation on video right, just right, to right. get them to answer the question. So we, we got that. We got maybe 50 or 60 questions uh, came in. Uh, obviously, there was some overlap, and I think at the end of it, I had about 30 questions uh, spanning across a few different categories that I then used as inspiration to create my next 20 to 30 training videos slash training guides. Now, these are created in, with the initial attempt, intent excuse me, uh, of going out to our customers and answering a question, teaching them something about, in most cases, how to use PLR, how to profit from PLR, and so on. So a lot of what I create are tutorial videos. Uh, there may be a combination of watch this video, then fill in this form to get your result, and so on. Uh, I'll create, uh, or I created uh, these trainings. I published them to our website in our members training section, uh, and in a lot of the cases, our non-members can see it as well. Uh, and then the content went on to YouTube. Now, what I found happened was um, the initial flood of eyeballs on this content was exactly the way you laid it out. It's um, you know kind of pre-qualified people that are already on my list, already know who we are. They were just waiting for our next piece of content to drop, and we got you know a few hundred views uh, right away because they wanted to see it. Then it kind of went into almost like a holding pattern. It was up on YouTube. Uh, and then over time, because we try to title and tag our YouTube videos and any kind of piece of content, we try to follow the best practices of marketing, um, because they were valuable pieces of information that people outside of our circle of customers also had questions about, we were starting to notice is that somebody would find the video on YouTube, or they'd do a Google search and they'd land on one of our blog posts where I answered a question they had. They would join our list and later on become a member. And uh, I mentioned earlier that we like to have lots of conversations. We pick up the phone and talk to our customers or get on Skype. And I've had dozens of calls with people where uh, I was surprised to learn that they actually became a PLR customer and later on, later on a monthly member because they found me on YouTube or they read a blog post. And I was actually shocked because I always assumed they came through uh, an affiliate, but that wasn't the case. So I think the content, to kind of answer your question and close it off, I think content marketing is, still works and still has tons of value uh, it's probably a little bit more of a long game than it used to be. And if you have an immediate audience that you can uh, distribute this to and kind of get that feedback, there's nothing worse when you're a publisher than spending all your time and energy and passion on something and nobody reads it. So if you have that audience that can yeah. just read it right away and give you that warm and fuzzy that you did a good job, then you can kind of let it sit and the search engines and the social shares and all that other stuff that happens will continue to deliver value to them and then ultimately to you when they join your list and so on. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, this is where I usually come in because we, when we have guests and, and they're telling everybody what they can do individually, which is what we're used to, right? If you consult with small groups of people or individuals, you're always facing them. You're always you know, saying what they can do, and we sometimes forget about that leverage thing. So if you guys are out there and you don't have um, this audience, um, Justin's talking about or have the, the customer base or whatever, what are you to do? And, and is the long game your only option? 
And you have to remember, and I know you can speak to this very, very well because I know you guys do this all the time, um, but there are people out there that already have 50,000 followers on their Facebook page. And they already have worked their butts off to have top ten rankings and the keywords that attract the perfect demographic that you're after. And that demographic is following those guys. So can you speak from – I know you know what I'm talking about. So like, you could instantly go where you think it's going to take six to nine months or a year or two or three to get to if you open your mind to the possibility that if you just got somebody who's already popular, already has all the rankings that you want someday, all the big lists that you want someday, the, the attention of the market they have it right now, the, the attention that you want to work up to someday, if you just got your content in front of them, they're like, put their arm around you figuratively, virtually, or in a video, that would be even better. <laughs> if you see them at a conference, have them do that. And say, that you've got to listen to this guy. You've got to listen to this lady. She knows what she's talking about. And then they've just blessed you in front of all of their people, and all of their people are going to go to your article. They're going to go to your video. They're going to go to whatever that person shared around, maybe on their list, maybe on social. And I know you've used this leverage tactic before, too. It can really inject some very, very quick notoriety and uh, – targeted, attracted traffic. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that you made that point. I think a lot of people maybe mistakenly believe that, you know, it's, it's, they're not going to be noticed or that this important person with all these followers and this big audience, uh, you know, why would they want to talk to me or look at me? But what I found in, in using that strategy you just laid out is that it, it actually doesn't matter. If you have something interesting to share, and usually it's something that requires you to be pretty bold. It means you, know, you, you launch a product or you create some kind of really cool service and you have a, and you have a sales page where people can go and buy it. You have to have something very tangible, um, you know, product, service, or otherwise. Um, and you approach people, uh, you'll be surprised at the number of people that actually take a look at it. I remember, you know, I, I mentioned earlier when we first started out in PLR, we had no way of getting exposure to our stuff. And there was a guy named Dennis Becker who already had a huge following. And I just, mm -hmm. I met him actually through a, a, a kind of a disconnected co contact. It was, it was a very rare situation. And uh, I approached him and he was more than happy to promote me without me even really doing anything. I just had a conversation with him on Skype and I said, I've, I've got these PLR products. I'd love to be able to do something for your audience. And he was all over. He's like, yeah, let's set up a webinar. Let's do something. This would be great. I was shocked because I, I didn't feel like I was credible enough. And here I was getting invited with almost no effort. Yeah. Hold on one second. I am getting noise again this time. <laughs> I think Dina, I heard it that time, too. I think that might be you. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. You're not muted. You never That's were. Weird. Thing, no, the thing is beeping at me, telling me it is muted, Jack. Well, we're talking, unless I'm psychic. <laughs> well, and now it says it's off a of mute and it's not beeping. That's really bizarre. I'm going to hang up and call right back in. Okay. So I love this topic because my my thing is, and I've been saying it for years, the web is so radically redundant. It's so incredibly overbuilt, and it's just incredible. It's just nuts how everybody buys a hosting account and they get all this bandwidth and they use three percent of it. And everybody's got – they're paying for all this. They're paying for 97% of bandwidth, and everybody's doing that, right? Until they get big, they're not using that much. And then they have their own website. They have their own domain. 
Well, they put the website up and the domain up so they can serve a market that's worth being in, that's worth monetizing. Well, yep. every time you go into a market that's worth monetizing, there's going to be other people there too. And there will have been people now there before you. It's only back in the 90s uh, that you could ever come up with a new site that nobody else had and an idea in an industry that nobody else was in yet. You can't do that anymore. There's just literally, nope. unless something brand new is invented, you're going into a market, and you'd be a fool not to, because if, if it's not established, if it's not profitable, if it's not viable, then why go into it? That's probably what exactly. people found before you, and that's why there's nobody there now. But if it is viable, you're damn sure going to have some competition. But me and Gina, we don't think in terms of competition. We don't think anybody out there is our competition. When you realize that, yes, you're in a certain industry that has certain keywords, certain topics that you talk about and all that stuff, um, you know, only when you're fighting for the top ten in Google for the same keyword are you in any sense in competition. But then we don't even call it that then because we're going to be best buddies with that dude that's got the number one ranking. If, if you know, we really want it, we will not see them as competition and never talk to them and never pick up the phone or email them or anything because, ooh, that's the evil competition. We figure out ways we can become of service to that person and uh, get in good with them and help them and truly help them. So like when you were talking about going to a conference or whatever and meeting people, I'm sure you didn't go up to them and say, I know that you probably don't want to do this, but could you just help <laughs> me out and send me some traffic? I'm in your niche, and please don't – I know I'm the competition, but don't, uh, don't take – you know, please have mercy and pity on me and, and send me traffic. I know you didn't do that, right? You probably did something like help them out, gave them a new idea, gave them a, um, some free content, gave them something really cool that they could use and make them look better in front of their own people, and then take you along with it, sort of like a content marketing package Trojan horse. And now all of a sudden you're there in front of their audience. I mean, that's how you do it, right? Absolutely. And, and I, I, I love what you said about you don't see anybody as competition. I'm the same way. I don't, it's not like I, I go into my market and, and look at all the other PLR sellers or content creators and say, oh, they're the evil competition. We all promote each other because we know that each and every business that, that we network with in our little groups here, we, we all bring something different to the table. And in some cases, my customers might need what somebody else has to offer. I can't deliver on it. As an example, we... We don't do any content on wellness and health. It's just it's it's too broad for us. We we can't be good at both. So, but there's people in our in our audience that need both. So, what am I going to do? Am I going to create it and try to be also good at that business, or I'm going to refer them over to somebody who I know will deliver on that promise, and and vice versa. Right. So, I think it's it's a very uh, what's it, what's the word I'm looking for? Like symbiotic relationship. And I think it's only competition if you frame it that way in your mind. In most cases, I don't think people do, especially in the digital world. I call well, it competition. There you go. In other words, collaboration with your competition, in air quotes, competition. Yeah. My favorite way of doing that is through what Mark Joyner refers to as integration marketing. There are going to be a ton of people out there that need both the kind of content that you put out around personal growth as well as people who are going to need similar kinds of content on health and wellness topics. If you can find a way to insert your stuff into their selling systems, 
That's what integration marketing is all about. So maybe when they buy the other person's package on health and wellness PLR or licensed content, you could include as a bonus something from your program to introduce them to whatever it is that you've got to offer at toolsformotivation.com. And as part of that, they sign up for your subscription. So at the end of that month or whatever from the bonus, they then are in your membership site. It's an awesome, awesome way to get new customers for you, and you can do the same back to them. Right. Yeah, That's our favorite way of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Well, I think Jack. we got a No, <laughs> I was just, I was, a, I, they, they, they are going to love that too. I mean, that, you know, everybody feels like um, when they go and they try to make a deal or something, they're usually trying to make a deal where your hand is out and you feel like, I don't want to be begging for stuff. I don't want to be asking people for favors. And we hate that. We just despise it so we don't do it. And we found different ways of uh, getting what we want, the, the business growth that we need, without ever feeling like we have to go market ourselves to our peers and uh, or ask for their time and so if you go to somebody with something like that, you get to tell them this really great thing that they can do to increase their conversions because you're there as a bonus, and you don't even have to call it a bonus. You could be integrated into their program on step four. Step four is to join your program for free uh, and check it out. You've got 30 days to do it, and you can use all this content or whatever kind of deal you want, and that's step four of a 10-step process in their system. Because so, bonuses are just devalued for the very nature that everybody gives bonuses and everybody's learned that bonuses generally suck. And that's just stuff that's just sitting there. Once you get into the membership site, you got everything set up. It's like, oh, there's that bonus. And I bet if I click on it, I'm going to have to you know, opt in and it's just a, a crappy report or something. And, you know, everybody's been through that. And, and it's getting out into other industries too, as it, as it usually does a lot slower. But so people don't even value that, but you can come to them and say, look, I can increase your conversion. If this is on your back end and it, as well as everything that you're giving away with this great product or that you're selling with this great product, your conversion should go up. And you can make a really big deal, and I'll give you all the copy to do it to, to show the value of this thing that you're able to give people. And, of course, you don't give this out publicly. You don't give anybody the opportunity necessarily to get the deals that you're offering your integration partners. They are the only ones who get it. So it's the only time that people are ever going to be able to see something like that. It's like, wow. There could be people, if it was the same niche or the same area, who have seen your stuff and gone, man, I'd like to check that out, but I don't know. And then they come back and they buy somebody else's product, your integration partner, and they see that they can see your stuff now. They can check your stuff out as a bonus or an add-on for free for 30 days. It's like, hey, there's my chance. Now I can come in and see what he's got going on and – Blah, blah, blah. So then you get to tell the guy all these really great things, and they're, they're like, thank you at the end. We love thank you deals where it's like works out really brilliantly for us, but it's got to work out for them too, and, it, and, and it's got to be a win-win-win. It's got to also be the result of our working together makes them look awesome like superheroes in front of their people. And with them not having to really do anything but change a little copy here and there on a page, and integrate your product, which you, which you come packing with all the instructions and graphics and everything else that you need, all the copy, and they love that stuff. 
that's another way that everybody could jump up. If you have something to offer people like that, you have a membership, you have some sort of a, a product that can be put on a trial basis. Um, if you don't, it's easy to come up with one. Um, just go to Justin's place and get some content and start a membership site and you'll have something <laughs> that you can and quickly get in with people because if you sell this right and you're not really selling at all, you're helping, you can go to somebody and enhance what they've got. And you just start with what they're the most interested in. They certainly want to increase their conversions. So start from that angle and go, if you add this to your offer, you're going to increase your conversions and you're going to get paid a whole bunch of extra money for not doing anything as an affiliate when people hit that 30-day mark and start paying for their uh, membership. And it's a wonderful thing to do. It, it can completely replace. In fact, it did for Gina. Uh, when, I, when we first met, she was rolling in new members all the time for Motivation to Profit from one integration source, one integration partner. They were big. They were a really big, one of the biggest groups out there, but uh, while that integration partnership lasted, she didn't have to go out and do social media, do email marketing, or anything else. All her customers kept coming in on the back end from, as a result of buying her integration partner's product all day, every single day, tons and tons of people, which is really great once you get that nailed down. And if you can't do that with one partner, that's kind of an extreme that they can fulfill all of your monetary goals uh, with that. But you can do it an unlimited number of times. Exactly. This is a that's a golden tip. I'm so glad you guys shared it. I, to add just one little tidbit from my experience, uh, you'll you'll find a lot of people trying to or at least attempting to use this strategy. And now that I'm on the receiving end, if I get a lot of pitches for people that want me to promote, and there's nothing more annoying than somebody who's basically just sent me a template of what they're sending to everyone else, and it's very unthoughtful oh, yeah. and very intrusive. And I'm sure you guys have seen this as well. Uh, don't be the guy or girl that's intrusive and begging for, for promotions or to be integrated into their systems. Uh, be the person that's a little bit unique, that actually took time to understand their business, got on their list, maybe even bought a product from them. Uh, as an example, I, had, you know, I, I get people weekly that say, hey, Justin, I've got this awesome new PLR product. Your list will love it. And it has nothing to do with what my audience is. If you've been on my list for any period of time, you know that my customers are either business PLR buyers or self-help PLR buyers. Uh, in some cases, I'll promote yeah. outside of that. If you come to me with your you know, Get Rich Overnight PLR, do you really think I'm going to promote it? I have not promoted anything like that in, ever. <laughs> so, so why are you coming to me with yeah. this offer? Because it's got high earnings per click or it's going to convert well? I, I don't care. It's not in line with what I do. If you took a few minutes or maybe a little bit longer than that to actually understand what my needs are in business, uh, I might take a look. And I've had people that were basically virtually no-namers but they were on my list, they understood what I did, and they offered something of huge value, and I gave them a plug because they were offering something that actually I know my customers would appreciate. And even if I wasn't going to make as much money from it or make any money, in some cases I've promoted people for free because it was the right thing to do. Uh, be unique yeah. and approach the person in a way that actually shows that you care about them, you took time to study their business, and you want them to succeed almost more than you. It's so easy to do, right? I mean... All you got to do is find somebody's Facebook page or find somebody's uh, Twitter account and follow them and just engage. And, and, and when you email them or when you get a hold of them or you interact with them on social and you mention, I really like what you put out yesterday. In fact, it made me think about something. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty the most simple way, and a lot of people are onto that tactic too. They just pick one little keyword out to make it look like they're listening. You really need to be listening. But it's not that hard. I mean, everybody is so available. We used to not have that. We used to have an email address, 
and uh, we'd send you know to each other's AOL addresses, and everybody <laughs> would complain because that was no there was no other way to get a hold of people ever. So I mean, because we didn't put phone numbers up then, you know, click to call didn't exist, none of that stuff. And it was really hard, and, and we had tactics back then that served people well today to remember, which is how do you get people to open something up? And if you do it with as much care as it took us to get somebody to open an email back in the day when there was no social media or anything else, you're damn sure going to do a lot better getting people's attention uh, than, than with everybody just kind of spamming each other. I don't even know why people do that, because I can't believe that that every last person in the world that's connected to the internet has not heard this yet, but apparently <laughs> they haven't. Yeah, amazing, I, I get tired how, of talking about it sometimes. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. how much of it still goes on, really. I, I think that there's something like um, POWs out there. I think there's people out there who don't know certain wars are over, and they're still fighting them. They're like, when you said some of that, that stupid content marketing is still going on, it's almost like somebody forgot that they're paying someone in the Philippines to do a job that was good in 2006, and they forgot, and that person is still out there somewhere posting crap somewhere. <laughs> it, I have found outsourcers where I was sure that the result of what I was seeing was an outsourcer doing it, and they do it regularly. It's like, wow, somebody's still paying them, I guess. I mean, they wouldn't keep doing it if they weren't getting paid. So somebody just forgot and just left a whole bunch of POWs out all over the world posting this darknet crap or doing <laughs> weird things like link building or, or whatever, like sending out link building letters. Every once in a while, maybe two a year, I'll still get one of those. And I'm like, that is somebody who's lost in the jungle. That they don't know that the war is over and they're still fighting. They they have no clue. It's weird, but sometimes I feel like people are just zombieing out and just walking around doing stuff from ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think the good rule of thumb is what you mentioned earlier. It's we're we're all connected, we're all available, and it's who's bringing the most authentic. Uh, really, it's effort and and actually trying to increase value on both ends. Obviously, you want to grow your business, but if you're interacting with people, what you know, what are you doing for them as well? And how are you standing out and being unique? Yeah. Well, we're right at the top of the hour. I want to remind everybody uh, to check out toolsformotivation.com. And um, this has been a great – I just love that you took the time to spend with us. I love this topic, as you can tell. I'm a little passionate about it. Do you have any parting mm -hmm. advice for everyone as we get to the top of the hour here? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you haven't found something that gets you out of bed early like me every day, find it. I, I, I'm up every day by – 3.30 in the morning, not because I have to be, because I want to be. So, um, you know, if you're still searching for it, you know, you'll find it, but don't stop the search. But get something that gets you out of bed because you want to uh, and, and sink your teeth into it and don't stop until you get it. Awesome. Gina, back to you. Or not. Back to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, kicking it, I'm kicking it back to myself. Um, all right. Well, I think we're at the Dad, top of the hour. Dad, can you I'm hear me now? Show. There you are. Thank goodness, because I'm not in the control panel. Now, <laughs> this is ridiculous, Jack. I am back looking on my thingy saying that I am on mute. Now, how well, strange is that? Well, your thingies have got the wrong toggle going on. Apparently so. Anyway, thank you so much for being here today, Justin. I just sent you a text to let you know. 
I really want to make sure Jack and I get into your affiliate program because our peeps definitely are going to love toolsformotivation.com. So let's talk about it. We'll be talking about it today in the bachelor program. I am certain. Yeah, absolutely. We'll set you up. Great. Well, Jack and I will be back next week, same time, same place, for yet another fantastic episode of Traffic Masters. Can't wait to see who Jan has us lined up with next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again, Justin. Thank you. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.